Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. those who don't know, my name is Tom and uh, I'm going to adjust the stand whilst holding the microphone. But I'm one of the pastors here whilst this happens. So, um, so I'm going to leave it. It's more difficult than it looks. Uh, so, <laughs> um, oh, bless you, thank you. Down a bit. Down. Yeah, yeah. A bit more. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, before I jump into... Uh, the kind of the teaching just a couple of little updates uh, one is we I shared a couple of weeks ago about uh, looking at an office space oddly because um, the storage unit we've got out at Keystone is great for storing stuff but it's not great for our PA system because it keeps getting moisture in it um, so we've agreed from the 1st of March that we'll take just the little the smallest office possible uh, at the Enterprise Center up by ASDA if you know where Ron's tool. If you don't know, it's in Ron's. Um, but just to keep it somewhere warm and dry with heating, um, because the the option for us basically became this and some storage, which also helps us with some of our logistics on a Sunday, or inevitably at some point we have to buy a new PA system, and that's going to cost an arm and a leg. So, um, yeah, so that's the, from the 1st of March. We've just taken a short three-month contract to see how it goes. If it doesn't work for some reason or it's more expensive than they've advertised all that, we will make other plans. But um, the short-term thing for now, and we'll see how we go. Then the other two things we'd love to encourage you in. One is uh, we shared a few weeks ago about our, our youth on a Friday night. We've got this youth work funding. The council are backing some of the stuff we're doing, uh, which is great. Uh, but we would love to cover Friday nights in prayer. Um, so, if you have um, the time, either every Friday or some Fridays, uh, we've booked a, a small room at the Saxon Hall basically to pray over Friday night youth stuff whilst it's happening. So, Kath Crawley is uh, kind, of, kind of organizing, I don't know what the word is, but just come come and pray as you can uh, from 7.30 to 9.30 at the Saxon Hall. We're going to start on the 16th of February, uh, so don't turn up this week or the next is that, well, don't turn up to the 16th. Uh, it is February. I'm slightly baffled that it is February, um, let alone knowing what day it is. Um, and then similarly, we've had uh, Dr. Tot, which is our uh, parents' day and play. Uh, it just keeps going from strength to strength. So uh, we re- regularly you know, have, between, have somewhere between 40 and 50 toddlers. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's parents and grandparents and childminders and all sorts of things. And we would just love to pray over that because our, our question kind of is lord it's great that all these people are coming but we'd love to see your kingdom come in this space so um, again similar to friday night we've just booked a room we will sorry we will book a room at the saxon hall but that'll be tuesdays 10 till 11 30 at this point i'd just love to know who's interested in that so come and chat to me um, if you've got the time for that and then we'll go on from there uh, and we could also do with some more volunteers the doctor apparently as well. So 
Uh, whether you want to make a cup of tea or coffee or you like talking to people, uh, either of those things are great. So, uh, also, if you have muscles, I would love to talk to you. <laughs> to come to some lifting and setting up. So, um, or maybe just say chat to Ash or Jazz as well. And if you don't know who those people are, come and chat to me and I will point you in their direction. Um, because asking me is horrific. Don't do that. So, I want to start this morning's teaching by introducing to you the world's fastest road car, which has a ridiculous Swedish name, which I am now going to butcher. This is the Koenigsegg Jesko slash Jesko, depending on the pronunciation, Absolute. I don't know if there was a previous version that was not Absolute, whether this is, I don't know. So, this is the world's fastest road legal car. It can do 310 miles an hour. It has 1,600 brake horsepower. Now, if you are like me, I don't know a lot about cars. The best-selling car in this country last year was the Ford Puma, which is like a hatchback SUV type thing, I think. By comparison, uh, that can do 118 miles an hour, but the wheels might fall off. <laughs> and it has, apparently, 123 brake horsepower. So. This car is three times faster than that car and has pretty much 10 times more brake horsepower. But the odd thing about this car, if you can afford the 2.3 million price tag, you can't drive it more than 70 miles an hour. And if you live in Rawns, you can't get over the ridiculous speed bump in the middle of the high street, which apparently I'm told is the country's shortest zebra crossing. There you go. The odd thing about buying a car like this to me, and this is I say this is the reason I don't buy cars like this, I'm also short by about 2.3 million pounds of buying this car, uh, is what is the point in having a car like this with all that power that cannot be utilized? But I wonder some of us in this room, I wonder if we realize that we have far more power than we realize and are probably underutilizing it. And I don't mean power in some crazy, absurd, maniac, narcissist way. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And when I say this, I, here's the response for some of us in the room, I suspect. It's, oh, he's going to talk about that, and it's only me. He's talking to me. Could I put your mind at rest? This is probably all of us, myself included. And actually today, I want to encourage you, challenge you. And the challenge is this, in the year ahead, I know it's already February, but in the year ahead, all 11 months of it, um, what would it look like to stretch? Stretch out in faith. To push out, to step out in this power somewhat in the year ahead. And the first thing I want to say is actually the Holy Spirit, the source of his power, is in you. John 14, 12 to 17. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. 
And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I don't know how you perceive the Holy Spirit, whether it's this this thing that lives around us. But the Holy Spirit is God himself living inside of us. And if the Spirit is in us, that has enormous implications for how we live our lives. In an odd sort of way, you are no longer just you. There is something else going on as well. And you're not navigating life alone. Actually, somebody is with you all the time. And for some of us, the first encouragement is just know that you are not alone. When you feel weak and powerless, there is somebody you can turn to who is remarkably near. When you go to school or to work or to the doctors, you know, you're sat waiting for that appointment. Or uh, you're at home and you're just feeling the crushing weight of loneliness. Or, you know, you're... Uh, You're the stay-at-home parent, and it's just stressful. There is not one place that we can go where we are alone. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the word Jesus used there is advocate. He is our, our help. He can strengthen us, give us strength in our weakness. He can carry us through the darkest night. And if he is in us, then we have to realize that we have great power working in us. These are Paul's words. This is um, a prayer from Ephesians 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, Uh, And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. For me, this is is a remarkable statement, right? Because the Spirit lives in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And that, to, can I be honest, that is a difficult thing to wrap your head around. But this is what the scriptures tell us. 
Almost anything can happen. The question is, I guess, do we know what we have? One analogy I heard, which is not an ideal analogy because it's about a credit card, <laughs> uh, was this. That if you have £20 in your wallet and you go for a meal and it is £30, you are, you've, you're caught short. But if you have a credit card, you can use the power of the international banking system for your extra tenner. It can extend what you have. With the Holy Spirit, it's a little, and this is a very imperfect analogy. We have a spiritual power way beyond our own capability. In my life, the times I've seen the Spirit move the most is when I have panicked the most. Does that make sense? When my prayer is not far off a scream or a cry or a, Oh no, what is about what do I do with this, Lord? Like a credit card might extend our spending power by a thousand. Actually, the Holy Spirit is like a spiritual card on which Paul says are the glorious uh, the riches of his glorious inheritance. But credit cards are only useful to you if you use them. Having the card in your pocket and never using it doesn't give you whatever the extra balance is. And the spiritual card, backed by the Spirit, actually because of our inheritance as the children of God, is without limit. <laughs> there is not something that can happen where we suddenly go, you know what, I don't think God has got enough power for this. So the next question becomes, well, how do we use this power? How do we access it? 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have uh, what we asked of him there is a really important phrase in here and that is according to his will and some of us won't like this next statement but all this stuff about the power and the holy spirit is nothing it's not about us. It is about him. God is not a celestial vending machine. So if you pray to win the lottery, uh, I can't, I'm not going to speak for God and say, it will never happen. But I don't think it's going to happen. And if you look at what happens to lottery winners when they win the lottery, you count your blessings. And all of this starts with something that is simple, but it is not easy. Simple and easy are different things. That actually desiring, first of all, and above everything else, that he would be glorified and that his will is done. When our will and his will begin to match up, this is when that kind of anything is possible, ask for anything, and it will be given, begins to come into play. And it's about listening to his leading as we pray. So in the context... Our prayer is that he would be glorified. And as we pray along with his will, uh, we can ask in confidence. 
The Bible is full of phrases about asking God for things. And they can be read terribly. I've heard all of it. Now ask God for anything and it will be given. Out of context is a dangerous thing. And what it does is it leads good godly people who are told by pastors and teachers and whatever who push this forward. This is called the prosperity gospel. Okay? It leaves them broken and questioning God. But the, the problem was they were never meant to use prayer like they wield it. So one example, this is Jesus in Matthew 7 from verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How many of us have wrestled with this passage? So if I was to summarize that, how do we access this power? I would say this, by listening and then asking in prayer. But it starts with listening. So here is the question. Are you asking for great things? Are you asking for great things? Have you grown weary? Because actually some of these things we ask for for years and we might never see them. But would you still ask for them? Amongst family or your workplace, neighbors, in the church here and beyond. Or maybe that he would pour out signs and wonders. Actually, we should be praying these things. And here's why I say that. If we won't pray these things, but collective the church pray these things, nobody is. And an observation I would make, this is a generalization, but actually the, it seems like the more ma we mature, the less we pray. What I mean by that is, it's fascinating when people come to Jesus, they will pray for everything. They will ask for everything. I think there's probably prayers I would pray because I think they're silly. But as I was, just on this, I was challenged. Why do I think those things are silly? Because the Lord knows the number of hairs on my head, so why would I not ask for some of those things? And there is a, a, a reality underpinning all of this. And that is that um, the kingdom of God is here, but it is not here fully. And here's a massive theological thing for me to try and unpack in two minutes, right? When Jesus comes, actually the gospel he says to preach is the message of that the kingdom of heaven is near. And as that is preached, there are all these signs and wonders and wonderful things happening. And what we see Jesus do is confront the darkness. He casts out demons. He heals the sick. 
He cleanses lepers, all sorts of stuff. But there is a spiritual battle behind all of it. Sometimes when we pray and we ask for things and they don't happen, we have to put it down to mystery because the other options are more difficult. One is God doesn't have enough power, which is highly inaccurate. And the other is that God doesn't love us, which is also inaccurate. But much as we know that the kingdom is now and not yet, and sometimes we pray and God does wonderful things, and other times nothing seems to happen. We must resist being a church that doesn't pray as if the kingdom is now. We must pray as if actually God can break through at any moment. And my encouragement is don't stop asking. We all have questions about why this prayer or that prayer does or doesn't work. And we might never get a good answer. And the difficulty for us in that is we expect that God should give us an answer. But objectively, as you read the scriptures, he doesn't owe us an answer. But he wants to meet you in your grief. And actually, as believers, we can cling on to his promises that he is working out all things for the good of those who love him. And we might not understand. But scriptures also talk about him as a judge. Now, in our modern context, we don't like the idea of God as a judge. But it is a good thing that he is the judge because he is also just. And he has far more of a grasp of what is going on than the rest of us. So as we wrestle with this, I think the challenge is to ask for things big and small. Ephesians 6.18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The invitation to pray is for lots of things in all sorts of circumstances. Big things, small things. One of the biggest stories I've heard recently, some of you know this. So uh, last week, it must have been last week, we shared the story of um, Garden City Vineyard in Milton Keynes. So um, it's a church partner that we support. They met last week for the first time, no, the week, two weeks ago for the first time. Some of the backstory to that, though, Steve and Tammy G, some of you will know them. Um, when they came to, so they, they were the pastors at Central Vineyard in Northampton, felt the Lord leading them to put that aside to go and plant in Milton Keynes. Um, one of the challenges being, if you want to move your family, you need a house. And houses in Milton Keynes are remarkably expensive compared to Northampton. Um, uh, and we were lucky, you know, we got to walk alongside them in some of this and see this kind of unfold. Uh, 
I think the way I would describe it is they were full of faith, but also slightly nervous. <laughs> because they've, they've just said, we're going to go and plant this church. They have nowhere to live. And financially speaking, they have no way of buying a house. And they looked at renting, and they looked at all sorts. They looked at whether they could ask other churches, whether they had properties available to live in, nothing. Uh, and the time was drawing closer and closer for them to step back in Northampton and move to Milton Keynes. And uh, interestingly, as I was preparing for this talk, I heard some of the other side of this. So there is a chap called Steve Nicholson, who is no relation to me. Um, he's been a pastor, vineyard pastor out in Chicago for years, been quite uh, an influence on churches here in the UK. So he came, uh, I don't know when this would have been, it must have been two and a half years ago or so. Maybe less. Anyway, not important. Um, they'd had some sort of gathering with some of the pastors, and Steve Nicholson spoke to Steve G. So there was a Steve party, and they shared this difficulty. And uh, Steve Nicholson, they just said, "Look, should we pray? Let's just pray that God would sort this." So this was the first evening of this event. Well, the next morning, um, uh, Steve G went up to Steve Nicholson. You will never guess what. Uh, this morning, a couple came up to me and said, we know you're going to go plant a church and you, we would love to uh, sort you out a house. And he was like, oh, great. So find somewhere to rent and support us. Great. And this was within 24 hours of that prayer. Right? God can do remarkable things. At the same time, uh, I also heard this story that made, just made me laugh that how silly it was in a sense. Um, some of you will remember Blockbuster Video. Some of you need this, some context for this. So, films used to be on something called a VHS tape. And uh, you had to kind of wind them up and all sorts. It was printed, the film was printed on film and played in a video cassette player. Now, they were quite expensive. And rather than buying them, you could go to Blockbuster, which I would describe as, it's like Netflix, but you actually have to go there. Uh, and they might not have what you want when you get there. Uh, and this, these, this a young lad with his friends had gone. They wanted to watch a particular film. They went into Blockbuster. They didn't have the film. And so they came out. Um, I don't think all the guys were Christians, but this one guy was, and he said, you know, mate, I'm, and he said this, I'm just going to, I think we should pray that we find it. And they kind of laughed it off, and he prayed this awkward prayer. Uh, when they got back to the house they were staying at, he went out into the back garden, uh, and he kind of, he remembers having this thought of like, God, how are you going to get us this film? This seems ridiculous. As that happened, the next door neighbor burst out of the door, holding a VHS tape and said, I've just watched this great film. I think you guys would like it too. Handed him the tape. It was the film. What a ridiculous prayer for God to answer. But what a witness to those other guys. We can pray for big things, small things, impossible things. I want to read this story from Acts 12, uh, from verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Sometimes the kingdom of God is not yet. 
When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Uh, so after arresting him, they put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by the four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter kept, was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night, before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter. Uh, in quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, and then Peter followed him out, in, out of the prison, but he had no idea what, uh, that what the angel was really doing was happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by him by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, uh, as we were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also uh, called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You are out of your mind, they told her. She kept insisting that it was so. And they said it must be an angel. And this is fascinating. They're praying for this thing to happen. They firstly don't believe it. And then they start making up other things that it could be other than the Lord has answered their prayer. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw it, they were astonished. This thing was so impossible, they didn't believe it when it happened. Sometimes we have to give up our own wisdom so that God's kingdom can move forward. Sometimes we have to give up our own understanding and our own pride that God might break through. And here's a question for you. Uh, you can answer this honestly if you want to. Would you have been in the praying and believed it when Peter turned up crowd? Or would you have been in the no, you are crazy crowd? So what are our impossible prayers? I think that must have been back in October. We were looking to the year ahead. And I just had this, this sense that the Lord was kind of saying to us, do you want more? Do you want more? And can I be honest? Some of God asking me that question is a little bit uncomfortable. Because my answer to that question is, Lord, I want whatever you want me to have. But that's not what he's asking us. There is tremendous power inside each one of us in this room. If you have encountered Jesus, there is tremendous power inside of you. And the enemy is laughing so long as we lie dormant. 
he is having a field day, so long as we uh, don't believe that Jesus said the things that he said. And it's fascinating when you observe the church, the church kind of gets in all these theological arguments about um, all sorts of stuff, including the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think the words of Jesus are to be grabbed hold of by people like us, that we would do greater things than he did, which is a ridiculous statement. But it is what Jesus said. And if we are to follow Jesus, even if it bends our brain slightly, we need to wrestle with that with him. And I'm not saying you need to come to Jesus going, oh, I see and understand it now. I don't think any of us do. But to come to him and go, Lord, you said this. Would you show me what to do with that information? Do we want more? More power, by which I mean signs and wonders, that God doing things that are nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. Do we want to be more aware of the spirit? Do we want to see God break through all sorts of uh, strongholds and things that are going on in people's lives? Do we want confidence to pray for the sick that they might be healed, you know, to cast out demons? And dare I say it, because this is Jesus' challenge to us, raise the dead. Okay. Or to ask it another way, what are the things you need to see God do for his glory? What do we need to ask for? Good, we have time. Excellent. So, here's what I want you to do. Uh, we're just going to invite the Spirit to come. And we'll see. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church.